Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast. I'm broadcasting this from my rental car here in West Palm Beach, Florida. There's a lot to talk about. I'll address two things during this podcast today. Number one, the trip to spring training, which was uh, quite an adventure for Beningo, myself, Ernie Acosta. It was a lot of fun. We did two shows over at Yankee Camp. We did a show at Met Camp. So a couple of things from that, and then a reaction to what the hell the WWE is doing, because it was a very different experience for me in that I put on the Saudi Arabian pay-per-view, which is noon on a Thursday, which is the craziest time, but we get it because of the uh, time change for their bloodthirsty pay-per-view that they have. And so I had it on while we were doing the show from Yankee camp. And, and I wasn't planning on doing that. The main reason why I ended up doing that is Ricky Ricardo, who is the Spanish voice of the Yankees, who was hanging out with us, is also a huge wrestling fan. And so he was asking me, hey, what's going on during the pay-per-view? I said, well, I, you know, I was going to watch it maybe when I got back to the hotel. He's like, come on, let's, let's watch it now. Let's see what's going on. So I put the thing on, you know, barely paying attention, you know, kind of glancing over every once in a while. And actually, while we were interviewing him about the Yankees, the Goldberg, Fiend, Bray Wyatt match was going on. And I got to tell you, I like the idea of Goldberg facing Bray Wyatt because my thought on this was this is a great way to only enhance the Bray Wyatt character, all right? He doesn't lose. He beats people. He gets to put the pictures up on the wall after he quote-unquote changes them. And what better way to use a legend like Bill Goldberg than putting Bray Wyatt over? No, I don't know how they were going to do the match. I don't know if it was going to be a a well-booked match. We've seen Goldberg over the years, I think, booked well, and we've seen him booked incredibly bad. The match against The Undertaker was a disaster. We all know it was about five minutes too long, and it was a seven-minute match. So I wasn't sure how they were going to book it. What I would have done was spear out of the gate, jackhammer, Bray kicks out at one, right? Kicks out at one. Goldberg does another jackhammer, Bray kicks out at two and a half. And then as he's kicking out, Mandible claws Goldberg. He passes out. Goldberg gets his power moves in. Bray kicks out a couple of times. Bray is put over in a big way. That's probably how it would have booked. It would have taken about two and a half minutes. And as we know, a lot of good things in life only take two and a half minutes. Instead, they've got Goldberg win. And as I saw his half-ass attempt at the jackhammer, and that may have been the worst part about it, You know, if Goldberg's going to win, can he at least look like Bill Goldberg? When I see the ref's hand go down for three, and I'm glancing over as Ricky Ricardo's talking about Aroldis Chapman, I I was just stupefied. Because even though you can never put anything dumb past the WWE, I really didn't think they were going to put Bill Goldberg over. That they were going to pull this BS where let's just hand him the universal title, let's destroy the most popular character going right now, in WWE, for what? For Goldberg to fight Roman Reigns? For Goldberg to fight John Cena? Obviously, we know now it's going to be Roman Reigns. I just, I didn't think the WWE would be this dumb. And they they stunned me because they are that dumb. And obviously, SmackDown, which I had to put on, I put it on a, you know, a couple of hours late. I avoided the spoilers. They obviously are giving you Roman Reigns, Bill Goldberg. If you could listen carefully, the crowd was chanting, you both suck. Which, 
I would not be stunned if we get a Goldberg-Lesnar WrestleMania 20 reaction to Roman Reigns' Bill Goldberg. I've mentioned this a few times. We're all happy for the real person that is Roman Reigns overcoming cancer, but you could tell the crowd has been ready to start booing him again the way they used to. They, they kind of... They, 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 they're chomping at the bit to boo Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is the new age John Cena. The kids love him. The girls love him. But most other wrestling fans can't stand him. They're chomping at the bit to boo this guy. And the crowd, forget chomping at the bit, they were booing Bill Goldberg. And they were booing Bill Goldberg, not because they're sick of him, not because he's 52, not because of uh, whatever other reason you want to come up with. They're booing him because he destroyed Bray Wyatt. This character that the WWE has done such a great job of building, they had him lose to a 53-year-old, 52-year-old part-timer. I mean, you can't make it up. And look, they're going to try to salvage his character. They did kind of a cool thing with him and John Cena. You know, Bray comes out, points to the sign. Cena does his salute. You can't see me. And now we've got Bray Wyatt, John Cena for the second time at a WrestleMania. But obviously... Bray's got a much different character. Even John Cena's got a different character. I mean, the guy's a part-time player. And I have no doubt, at least I, I hope I have no doubt, that Bray will go over John Cena at WrestleMania. They'll try to re-enhance the character. But there's no mention of the fact that he just lost to Bill Goldberg. The character took a hit by losing to Goldberg, and now the WWE, less than 24 hours later, is trying to say, yeah, forget that. Don't worry about that. So now Bray's going to go back to doing his vignettes and whatnot, and we in our mind have to just ignore the fact that he lost to Goldberg. Oh, my God. No, it sucked, man. What could I tell you? It sucked. And the part-time thing, you know, I'm usually good with part-timers if it's done correctly, but the problem I have with Cena and the problem I have with Goldberg is that they are the ultimate part-time. I mean, they're not part-time a couple of times a year. They're part-time. They come in. They fight for five minutes, especially in John Cena's case. He's going to disappear. You know, Cena's going to put over Bray, which will be a good thing. And God knows if we'll ever see him wrestle another match again. And, and I understand. Cena's been there for a million years. He's a movie star now. God bless him. He certainly gave a lot more time to the company than The Rock did before The Rock left to become a superstar. But it's tough as a fan to be emotionally invested in matches in which the guy just shows up for five seconds. You know, Brock Lesnar's more than a part-timer now. Brock Lesnar's actually there. Brock Lesnar's around. They gave Bill Goldberg the title for him to just hand it over to Roman Reigns. Now, I hope they can, you know, build the Bray character back up. He should beat Cena at WrestleMania. He'll probably go into a long feud with Roman Reigns. Maybe he'll take the title from him. I have no idea. Oh, and the other thing was The Undertaker. Oh, my God. What... Again, you got to at least give me some kind of story. What is the real story of The Undertaker coming back, you know, to beat up the OC to, to, I guess, win that stupid trophy match? Which, you know, every time they have an event in Saudi Arabia, they got to make up some stupid prestigious award that really isn't prestigious. Whether it's the greatest Royal Rumble, which offends me that they even include the greatest Royal Rumble in Royal Rumble history. When they talk about winners and longest time out there. So they got this, I don't even know what it was called, some mountain trophy gauntlet match. 
Rey Mysterio gets beat up. Undertaker shows up. I didn't even realize he was fighting. I just thought he was coming out to choke slam AJ. And then he pins AJ with a choke slam and doesn't even take his hat off. Oh, man. That's another part time match. So we've got really three part time matches coming up at WrestleMania Taker, John Cena, and Bill Goldberg. I'm not even going to include Brock Lesnar as part time. And I, honestly, I hope they all lose. I think Cena will lose. I know Goldberg will lose. I'm not entirely sure about The Undertaker, even though he's lost twice now at WrestleMania. But how weird was that? Boy, I, you know, the fact they go over to Saudi Arabia is one thing, but then they do these just bizarre things when they go over there. Like having Undertaker win a gauntlet match but without even taking his jacket and hat off. Craziness. Now, as far as this spring trip is concerned, this has been great. I've made uh, many spring training visits over the years, but I've done it on my own. Uh, I've either done it on vacation. Well, every time I've done it on vacation. Sometimes I've done Saturday shows out here. Sometimes I just take a week off, especially before I was married with kids, and I would spend five days just driving around to different spring training sites, seeing games, enjoying the closeness that you can have with players. And And I've said this before, going to spring training is a great thing. This is the first time in the 13 years that Beningo and I have been together, that we were actually sent down to do shows, which is kind of incredible. But we were sent down. We did three shows down here. It was wild because we made a 6.30 a.m. flight Wednesday morning from Newark Airport, which, you know, when you book something a few weeks, a few months in advance on paper, things sound perfect. Like, oh, yeah, we'll wake up Wednesday morning. We'll fly out to Tampa. We'll do a show out there. No big deal. But then when you start executing it, you realize that it was a terrible, terrible idea because I got two hours of sleep Tuesday night. Joe got about two hours of sleep Tuesday night, I think. Wake up, you know, before, forget crack of dawn. I think I woke up at, I'm trying to remember, I think it was 3.15 or 3 a.m. Get in the car, drive to Newark, get on the plane, land, and then you're kind of in no man's land because we land at 9.30 a.m. You can't check into a hotel that early. Uh, The Yankees had told us, hey, come by at 11 a.m. You could record a lot of spots early on because all the players are on much different schedules. So if we just did everything live between 2 and 6, we would miss out on half the guys. That's why, you know, some of the interviews we did were pre-recorded. So we get off the plane right over to George M. Steinbrenner Field. The weather was okay as we landed. It wasn't raining quite yet. And the Yankees set us up. I know it looked bad on Twitter and everybody was mocking us, but it actually was a pretty smart setup. We were set up at a table right outside the Yankee locker room so that when there was a guy who was done with treatment or a guy who had come out of the game or what have you, all they got to do is walk five feet out of the locker room. Joe and I are sitting right there. Boom, we do the interview. It is cool being in the booth where you can see the game. That's great for us. But as far as the accessibility to the players... It did make a lot of sense. So we started recording spots right up at 11 a.m. I'm, I'm getting the two days confused on who we talked to when, but I know we talked to Aaron Boone before the game, which didn't work out ideally because Giancarlo Stanton, the injury, was announced a few hours later. So few people noticed and said, hey, you never asked Boone about Giancarlo Stanton. It's all about timing. And we interviewed the guy at about 11.30 a.m., and the injury came out, I think, around 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock. Uh, but the Yankees did a great job. We, we had Hal Steinbrenner for the first time. Brian Cashman's always great, not only because he gives answers. You ask a question, he'll talk for 20 minutes. But some interesting answers about the Astros and talking to Beltron and talking to Cameron Maven and talking to Brian McCann. And basically, 
not getting specifics about what they did, but there was always that keep an eye on what they're doing. So it was a lot of fun. Clint Frazier was awesome. You know, it's funny, uh, Jason Zillow, who's the, the PR guy for the Yankees, and he did a great job for us. He gave us all the guys. Clint Frazier is one of those guys we actually booked on our own because we were sitting there with Sweeney Murdy talking about the Yankee outfield situation. And as we were having this discussion, Clint Frazier was about 20 feet to our left talking to a reporter. And luckily, we were saying positive things about Clint Frazier. It's weird when you're doing these shows, we could be ripping a guy, and that guy could be 15 feet behind us, which is fine. I mean, as long as he doesn't punch us out. Um, So as we were doing this discussion, we screamed over to Clint and said, hey, if you want to come on, let us know. And he was gung-ho for it. And I thought he was uh, probably the most interesting interview we had. He was very honest, talking about the concussion talking about dealing with the uh, defensive issues and really everything he's dealt with over the last four years since being traded over here. So he was he was definitely interesting to talk to. We were about to get Aaron Judge, at least that's what we were told, but Judge spent a lot of time getting treatment. We have been promised he'll come on the show next week. As Joe would say, bro, I'll believe it when I see it. We had a nice interaction with Gary Sanchez where we told him that our producer Ernie Acosta is obsessed with him. And uh, we'll fight with every caller that wants to say negative things about Gary. So it was a great couple of days at Yankee camp. And then we did the drive over. And what a depressing drive. And I'll tell you, I know Joe loves Florida. He talks openly about moving here. Florida sucks. I'm sorry. It's, it's nice during the winter in New York to come down here and get warm weather. I totally get it. But the state is ugly. I, the palm trees are nice. The beaches are nice. You drive in the middle of this state, it is just swamp. It's awful. And the other thing I noticed here in Florida is everything is slow. Everything is slow. There were a couple of things uh, I had to do uh, as we wrapped up our show on Friday. Like, for example, small example, uh, Ernie and I were sharing our rental car. We needed to put my name on the car so I could begin driving it. And it took a half hour. The woman just couldn't figure out how to do it. It was, it was wildly confusing. Wildly confusing. Then I went to go get dinner. I made an order at Chipotle. It was like 15 minutes of, wait, so you want rice? Do you want the black beans with it? Checking into my hotel on Friday night, oh my God. I've learned that never book through a third party because they were so confused. Wait a second, did you book it for Saturday? Did you book it for Friday? We have to call Orbitz. We got to make sure this is correct. Oh my, took me 30 minutes to check in. Everything is slow. I, I New York is so much better than Florida. Through the months of, I'd say, December through April, fine. They have the weather advantage. They don't have the weather advantage during the summer. No way, no how. They don't have it. But at least during, you know, these few months, yeah, you come down here, you get nice weather. Now, let me explain this asterisk thing, okay? I had an idea a couple of days ago when I saw the 2017 Houston Astros World Championship sign that they have here in West Palm Beach, Florida, that, you know, wouldn't it be great if I drew an asterisk, asterisk, is that the correct pronunciation? Whatever. Drive here to the ballpark, put the asterisk up, take a picture, have some fun. Now, I knew right away there were two things that popped into my mind. Number one was, boy, I really hope I don't get caught. Does this count as vandalism? You know, if I did this, is this a something I could be arrested for? Because God knows I'm not, I really don't want to be arrested at this point in my life. If I was 20, well, that's one thing. As a 36-year-old man with a wife and a kid, uh, probably not the best idea. But the second issue I had 
and this is the issue I ran into if you've seen my tweet, is I was always horrible at art. I sucked at art. My art teacher used to make fun of me that I couldn't color in the lines, I couldn't draw anything, and yet here I wanted to draw this giant asterisk. So on Friday morning in Port St. Lucie, Florida, I went to a Staples. I bought this uh, beautiful poster board and a very dark black marker. And outside of our hotel in Port St. Lucie, Florida, because I needed the room, I put the board on the ground, I took the marker out, and then I Googled imaged what an asterisk is supposed to look like. And I tried my best, I'm telling you, I tried my best to draw an asterisk. And as I was drawing it, I said to myself, when I take this picture and I tweet it out, the most amount of responses I'm going to get is not going to be, hey, that's cooler, that's funny, or that's stupid, you're a sore loser. It's going to be mocking my asterisk. I knew this going in. But everybody listening, I promise you, I did the best I could. Okay? Was it the prettiest asterisk in the world? Of course not. Was it ugly? Was it pathetic? I, I, I understand. I'm not a freaking artist. Okay? So, Friday night, I dropped off Ernie Acosta at the airport because I'm a nice guy. And I drove to the ballpark of the Palm Beaches at about, let's say, 8.30 at night. It was dark. I didn't know what would happen. No security whatsoever. I drive right in, and luckily I could pull the car up right in front of that sign. And I'm about to admit something to you that's very, very pathetic, but I don't care. I'm honest. I was scared out of my mind. I was scared. I was a chicken. Because even though there was nobody around, there was a part of me that said, Evan, is this how you want to go down in life? You're going to put this asterisk up. You're going to take a picture and some security guard's going to come over and claim some obscure Florida law because Florida sucks. They're going to say, yep, five years in prison. You're not allowed to do this. And I'm done. And then as I sat in the car pondering, I said, Evan, you're such a drama queen, king. What are, you, what are you talking about? You're not going to even leave the asterisk. You're going to go up there. You're going to take a picture. You're going to hightail it out. You did nothing wrong. You took a picture. There's no sign that says you can't take a picture. Five minutes I'm sitting there in the car. Five minutes I'm pondering these life choices. And finally I say, F it. Let's just do this. So I go up there. I put the asterisk down. I take a picture. I take one picture. And I get the hell out of there. As I take, as I get back in the car, you know, I'm ner- I'm like fumbling to hit the engine start button. <laughs> I'm like fumbling how to get out of there. Meanwhile, I'm telling you, there's nobody around. I don't even want, know what I'm nervous about. And I drove off. And I decided, all right, I'll tweet this picture. And of course, I'm telling you, 90% of the responses. This is the worst-looking asterisk I've ever seen. I knew it. And, I, and I, I'll tell you, I agree with you. It was an ugly-ass asterisk. But I had an idea. I thought it was funny. Maybe it's not funny. Maybe it was stupid. Maybe it was a waste of my time on a Friday night in West Palm Beach, Florida. But you know what? I did it, and life moves on. Now, I don't want to talk about the Nets, okay? I got to my hotel late Friday night. I watched that crap game on DVR. 
and the Nets are a free-falling. And really, if this continues and they either get the eighth seed or miss the playoffs, because what's the difference? Let's be honest. The eighth seed and missing the playoffs are almost the same freaking thing. Except missing the playoffs will save me a few dollars from buying the playoff tickets. We will look back at blowing the 19-point lead against the Orlando Magic as where everything went into the crapper. All right, that's it. I think I've covered everything. I hope you enjoyed um, this edition, this WWE slash spring training slash asterisk story, asterisk story edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. I got a few podcasts scheduled to come up. We're going to do a WrestleMania retrospective on all of the Undertaker's WrestleMania matches and a retrospective on all of Shawn Michaels's uh, WrestleMania matches. We'll have a fantasy baseball preview coming up. The Ernie Acosta versus Evan Roberts, Mets versus Yankee Mets, our MLB season prediction podcast. So a lot coming up on the Evan Roberts podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Joe and I, Monday through Friday, 2 o'clock.